All right. All right. This is going to be episode two for the Hayward podcast. Um, joining me now, I have a good friend of mine, Mr. Brandon. Brandon Coleman. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good. Doing real good, man. I'm glad to be here. Glad to have a little conversation. Get some time to, you know, one-on-one me and you. We don't get a lot of time together anymore, so it's it's just nice to have time to chat, you know? I feel that. I feel that, you know. Um, I, I can say for sure, um, Brandon has been a very good friend, a good brother of mine for the last six, seven years now since we've known each other. <laughs> it's been a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> It's funny, man. It all started from Walmart and Monk's Corner up until now, you know, just staying in each other's lives and being good to each other. Small Um, town, Monk's Corner. Today is July 28th, 2021. Um, This day in Black History, and I'm just reading from, you know, the BETs, you know, Black History Day Uh um, thing. But this day in Black History, um, a coalition of Black civic and religious groups organized a silent march in Harlem on July 28th, 1917 to protest protest the treatment of Blacks. And it goes on to read, in response to a deadly massacre of African Americans in East St. Louis, Illinois, and a spate of lynchings in Waco, Texas, a coalition of Black civic and religious groups organized a silent march in Harlem on July 28th, 1917. As many as 8,000 African-Americans marched silently from Harlem down Fifth Avenue to the, to the sound of drums, carrying picket signs with the messages. Mother, do lynchers go to heaven? Mr. President, why not make America safe for, for democracy? Thou shalt not kill. Pray for, the, pray for the Lady Macbeths of East St. Louis. Give us a chance to live. Um, it, it keeps going on, and then it has in 2012, Opponents of New York City's brand of stop and frisk policing invoked the spirit of the 1917 march as thousands marched in silence down Fifth Avenue to protest the policy, protest the policy. And that comes from um, them doing the stop and frisk that they decided to do. You know, so this, this, this episode is, you know, focused more on the racial tension and divide that has been going on in the, you know, in the history of, of black people, you know, in my history. Um, so, you know, I'm a black man, Brandon is a white man. So I know I have my perspective, you know, from the black community of, you know, how it's making us feel. And, you know, I just wanted to bring Brandon on so Brandon can give his perspective because, you know, Brandon is, one of the most kindest people I've ever met in my life. I can't say that there's a, a racial bone in Brandon's body, you know, so. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> no problem, you know, and it's, and it's just from, the, from how you've shown yourself to me. I know the, my very first topic was based on pure, and, um, and I read a quote from, a poem that a good friend of mine, Anthony Green Jr., wrote in his book, uh, Sink or Walk on Water. You know, and my perspective on that was, you know, people show you who they are. And they show you how, how they, they, they show you who you are, who they are when they first meet you. That's, that's that was basically my perspective yeah. on that. Um, so, 
one of the questions that I wrote down, uh, Brandon, I wanted to ask is, what has been your biggest challenge over the last year with the racial tension and divide that, you know, we've faced? And um, I remember when George Floyd got killed last year. You know, you you decided you wanted to write me on Facebook to say to see how I was doing. You know, you you was very yep. concerned, and you were like, you know, you're my brother. I love you. Um, you know, I'm scared. <laughs> you know, and I'm scared of you know what yeah, can happen. I was from here. You know, so I know we didn't really talk much about it last year, but I just wanted to get like your perspective on, you know, how how it how it affected you. You know, and you know, where, where are you going from there? My, you mentioned that the biggest challenge for me was, the biggest challenge for me is trying to support my black brothers and sisters, my, my family, my friends without overstepping. Cause I want to show that I'm there and that I don't agree with what's going on. but I also am not a black man. I'm not a black woman. So there's a lot of things that I just won't understand. So the best thing I can do is just kind of step back and be supportive and wait for my opportunity to do something about it. And I, I don't want to, it's hard to explain. It's like you see some white folks that they go running out and they act, they act a fool and they say what they got to say. And they try to speak for, you know, my, the African-Americans that are facing all these issues but yeah. they can't really do that that's not their place the right. best thing at least in my opinion is to step back and just you know put my hand on your shoulder and be there let you do what you do best and speak for the black african americans that are being mistreated because you you understand better than i would what they're going through so it's just been difficult for me to hold my tongue because lord knows i, I want to snatch them up but i'm not going to <laughs> you know i think my my second biggest challenge has been how can I make sure that I'm raising my daughter properly because I want her to do better than I did. You know, I, I'm not perfect. I'm sure there have been times in my life where I have been unintentionally racist or, you know, there's, there's a million things that I wish I could do better or that I could. Hey, but the best better part before is, speaking. Best part so is how do I teach my daughter those lessons and hopes that she goes forward? Yeah. Right. And that's difficult. I, I know here recently I had a had a conversation with my own mother who, you know, we, we grew up in Kentucky, man. I when I come down here, I hadn't seen a black person yet. That was I, I just lived in the middle of nowhere. I'd never seen a black person when I moved down here. So five years old and I'm like, people have different color skin. I didn't know. So I think that's where my mother grew up. So even though she's not racist in any way, shape or form, at least not in you know, there are still times where I have to take her and take a step back and be like, ma, no, what you're saying is not right. Like, think about it in this perspective. Think about it like this, because she she was having an issue with um, a coworker who, you know, was African-American, but wasn't performing at work and wasn't trying anymore. And she was like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I think he just wants to get on welfare. And I was like, that's racist. Like, you can't be, you can't say that. That's just because he's not performing doesn't mean that he wants to get on welfare and it's not because of his skin color that he's not performing. And I was like, Ma, yeah, I get what you're saying. I, and I understand kind of where you're trying to come from, but the way you're saying it and the way you're picking 
that's the, the you know, we, we got into a big discussion, especially about like, she was like, well, I don't understand. You know, I, I'm a janitor. I, you know, I struggle too. I don't have white privilege. It's like, yes, you do. That's, that's not what it's about. White privilege is not about what you have struggled through. It's about your skin did not cause you to struggle. Right. That, that was not one of the factors that led up to you struggling. You know, I was like, you didn't apply for an apartment and get turned away because of your skin color. You didn't apply for a job and somebody else get it because of their skin color, even though you were more qualified. I said that that wasn't one of the reasons that you struggled. And we had, we had a nice conversation about it. And, and she was a little, that's the word I'm looking for. She's tense throughout the whole thing. But about an hour after I got home, she texted me. was like, you know, you're right. You really put things into perspective tonight. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you did because I don't, I don't want to see things through the eyes of, you know, my forefathers. I, I want to see things through my eyes. And I just, I never looked at things that way. So it, it was just nice that she was willing to have that conversation and to then take a step back and be like, okay, yeah, what I said was messed up and I shouldn't look at it that way. So hopefully lessons to my daughter and I hope that she will view things that way as well. All right, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and one of the biggest things that, you know, a white person can do for a black person in these times, you know, is stand if they, if that's what they really want to do stand with us you know and and call the people out that's you know that's the racist people you know or they they yeah you know, for like real they, they have that like unconscious bias that's that's the word i'm looking for you know call out that unconscious bias yep you know and you know one of one of the things that i can't stand you know when people was like oh i'm not racist i got because, black friends you know but it <laughs> that makes that makes you sound even more racist right there yeah because <laughs> that's that doesn't having black friends does not make you not racist doing things and not being a not looking back at yourself and reflecting on what you've done and being willing to change is what makes you racist if you're stuck in those ideals even if you don't think that they're racist you you have to take that step back right and be like okay well how can it be perceived that way or what is racist about it and be willing to listen and change because that's how you prove you're not racist not by you know giving you know your friend well my boy over here is black that makes me not racist it's not how that works that is not how that works and it will never be how it works and i, I get sick of that argument mm -hmm. i'm sorry i got a little i got a little heated i'm sorry <laughs> it's all good it's all good you know this is the time to time to let your voice be heard i just I don't know, man. I, I get so tired of, because I mean, we live in the South, the deep South. Mm -hmm. So there is like, there's people, even on my Facebook that I've had to unfriend because I'm like, obviously you're not the kind of person I thought you were. Right. Right. Over the course of the last year that, you know, they've posted or said, and it's like, you're not even, you're not even attempting to look at the other side. You're just, basing on the things that you've heard your whole life or the big one that gets me is when they're like oh this this rebel flag is it's not racist it's heritage and i'm like have you not read a single history book right because right now you sound very very stupid letting that come out of your mouth uh, what what do you think that flag was for right it wasn't it was america tries to be why would you still want to fly that? Even if it wasn't racist, it's treasonous at the very least. Right. I don't, I don't get it. And it, it, it bothers me because 
knowing the majority of those people just grew up with it and assume it's okay, even if they're not intentionally racist, even, even if they do have the best intention of not being racist, but then they fight for it because they're like, no, it was my heritage. Do a little research and find out that it's not your heritage. It's not. <laughs> because I, I remember being, I think I was like 14 at the time, maybe. And the trend in high school was everybody wearing those Dixie Outfitter shirts, you know, those dogs on the back and the rebel flag on the front. Mm -hmm. And so I could fit in with everybody, not thinking anything of it. And a friend of mine who happened to be African-American was like, hey, man, um, that's not cool. I don't like that. And I was like, well, what's wrong with it? I don't understand what's wrong with it. It's just Southern heritage. And I got I got the talking to and explained to, hey, that's not that's not how I view it. And that's not, you know, what it stands for. So, you know, I'd really appreciate it if you didn't wear that because that doesn't, doesn't really represent you very well. And I was like, you know what? I, I think you're right. And then I burned that, <laughs> I burned that shirt and I never went back in that store. <laughs> right. So it, it just, the fact that I, I grew up in an environment that told me it was okay, it hurts. And to think that there's a lot of people out here that are probably are too stubborn to admit that they're wrong. Right, they're 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 ignorant to the the knowledge, you know, and they they don't want they don't want to learn, they don't want to change. That's just how that's how I view. It's people. literally it. They just don't want to change. They're just used to the life that they've been taught and living, you know. Like look look mm -hmm. at Dylan Roof, look at Dylan Roof. Like he, yeah, <laughs> he was Product raised of his environment raised to hate black people. Yep. No matter no matter what anybody Gosh. says about him, he was raised to hate black people. Yeah, I mean, that's it, the bottom line. You know, so one, one thing that I've always said, you know, and I, I stick by, you know, just like racism and hate is taught. You know, nobody is is born to automatically hate somebody. No, they have it's people taught. that teach it. That's a learned behavior. You know, that's just the, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the biggest thing that, you know, we can do is we can break those traditional curses, you know, break those traditional teachings that, um, the, the families have for their families, for their younger children. Yeah. We can break that. You know, and I know you were, that, you were saying like, how, did, how can you like teach your daughter better? You know, you, you got to break it. It's the same with my kids. You know, yeah. be, being, a, being a black black man in America, in South Carolina, it's it's nuts, you know, because working at, working at Walmart, you know, as the, the AP manager, even if I'm walking down the aisle, and you know, a white person comes down the aisle like a white woman. You know, one thing that I'll see, no matter if I got an A badge on or not, she clenches her purse and walks close to the other side of the aisle. You know, or if I'm walking down the aisle, that hurts just to hear that, man. Yeah, but I mean, that's how that's how it was. That's how that's how it is right now. You know, and walking that walking down the aisle, you know, even just just walking in the store, you gotta announce yourself. Like walking up on somebody just saying, "Oh, excuse me," you know, at a high, higher, uh, higher volume, so they can hear you. Because sometimes you might say they don't hear you, so you gotta say it louder just so they can hear you, so they can look at me like, "Oh, am I in your way?" You'd be like, "Oh, no, you're good," you know. But that's something that you know wasn't still in me, you know, just um, being able to to let them know that I'm right here behind you, you know, or I'm walking up on you, you know, just so there's not something, you know, somebody like, oh, he's trying to do this. He's trying to do that. You know, so that, that that's one of the things that, you know, it, it hurt me to do that, you know, even to this day. And yeah. It, See, it like, hurts that. 
Go ahead. I was gonna say it's stuff like that. Yeah. That as a white man, I wouldn't even think about. That's not that's not something that would have crossed my mind. And that's one of those things where you know I said to you, I I won't ever fully understand because there, there's got to be small things like that in your daily life that I just will always be oblivious to unless it's brought to my nose. And that it hurts to hear that you have to do that because I know what kind of person you are. And for for you to have to to have those little battles every day is it turns my stomach, man. Right. That's not the kind of world that we. You're absolutely correct. You know, and even though um, this world is is crazy, you know, I I'd love to see like the interracial couples and things like that. You know, because it's it's showing <laughs> yeah. progress. I've seen the other day at work, and they was probably 70, 80 years old, old black man and old white lady, walking hand in hand at that age out the store together. And it just, they brought a smile to my face because it's like, they, that's true love right there. If they've been together that long, you know, they've been through some real shit. I mean, it's tough now, but it was real tough when they was growing up. So mm -hmm. it's like, I don't know, just to see that they're still together made my heart feel real good. You know, and that's that, and that's good right there, you know, because, you know, if they if they had kids, you know, they can tell their kids their story, you know, and yeah, you know, the kids can can decide who they want to be with, you know, who how they want to live their life, you know, and that's that's just the way that, you know, we all just need to get to, you know, it's how we can live our life without fear of being shot and killed by the police or, you know, being accused of things that, you know, we never done. I was reading a story on Facebook the other day of this, uh, there was a, a murder somewhere and um, police heard chatter that it was somebody. So, you know, they issued an arrest warrant and the guy was like 70 miles away when it happened. And he came to the police with proof that, hey, I was at this club when this person got killed. That wasn't me. The police locked him up anyway. Are you, you kidding know? me? They locked him up anyway, you know. That's, police. that's ridiculous. He he had a witness, and the witness had the alibi too, and they locked that witness up too. You know, and it happened in 2015, you know. People the, abusing power. Right. You know, and that's like one of the biggest things with police. They're, they abuse their power so much. I was watching TikTok. Like somebody was uh, recording an officer searching somebody's car and had the person in handcuffs. It was two officers. The one officer had the person in handcuffs. The other officer was searching the trunk of the car. He pulled something out of his pocket and put it in the trunk and pulled it out to show the other officer. Like, what, what type of shit is that? Oh, my God. <laughs> what type of shit is that? But what well, he didn't know, somebody was recording that. And when I followed that, up on the Shit, story, that's what it is. It's he bullshit. Got he got fired. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's grade A bullshit. Like, I don't understand why they feel the need... Our cops are supposed to be there to protect and serve us. Have you have you seen like in other countries, cops will be dressed in bright yellow and you know colors that let people know, hey, I'm over here if you need my help. And just the way that the police units are set up in other countries, they're there to help, and they everything about them screams, hey, come to me, I'm a safe place. That is not how our police are in America, and no. it sucks because. I have a lot of good friends in the police force, and they're good people. 
there are so many bad apples that it makes them look like trash. And I just, I, I wish we could find a way to fix the entire system because you have some police officers out there that want to do the right thing. Like, I don't, I don't know if you saw that video, it's been a couple years back now, where the, the black lady got out of her car screaming and crying with her infant unresponsive in her arms and ran to a white officer, and he immediately took action to save that baby's life. We need more cops like that, ones that immediately want to help and not have this power struggle where they think that they can just do whatever they want to whoever they want because they're in charge, quote unquote, because you're not in charge. You work for us. We're the people. You work for the people. And when they when that mindset can change, I think we'll see a lot more progress. But right now it's all about who's got the most power and who's a good old boy who helps out another good old boy. And we got the wrong people in office, the wrong people leading our police force. It, it's sickening, man, because you got a lot of good cops that get caught in the crossfire and they don't they don't deserve the rap they get. But there are so many bad ones out there that you can't help but feel that way. Yeah, you know. I can agree with some of the points you said. You know, I think the only way to to fix it right now would to be to disband it. You know, that's just me. You know, it needs I don't to be know. rebuilt from the ground up. <laughs> it definitely has to be rebuilt. You know, on on higher morals and higher standards than it was built, because it was built on you know, we gonna we gonna take care of us and we gonna get them. That's what it was built on. And to a lot of other black people, you know, they might feel the same. You know. Um, and, you know, I, I can't say that as a black man, I feel comfortable calling the police. I can't say that. I don't blame you. As a white man, I don't feel comfortable calling the police. I got pulled over. This has been, I don't know, two, three weeks ago now. Uh, so when I bought my car and I bought you know, me and my wife and we got our cars, uh, Kia had said, do you want us to fill out the paperwork and do your, your tags and stuff? And my wife is like, yeah, I want to. Just want to transfer my plate, and they said we'll take care of everything, and we'll mail you a new sticker. And this is my first time buying cars at a dealership. I've always bought, you know, like a little two thousand dollar car, rode with it, and never had to do it. So I took care of everything myself. Well, a year goes by, I don't see no sticker in the mail, no nothing. Uh, you know, COVID hits, so the DMV is real messed up at this point, and you can't even get in the door without making an appointment. You got lines out the door, so I'm thinking the DMV is just slow. So I waited it out another year. Still nothing. Didn't even get anything in the mail saying, hey, you need to pay your taxes on your car. So we called the DMV, and DMV's like, between me and my wife, we're almost $1,000 past due, and everything's all messed up. So we're like, Jesus. So we take care of that. We pay what we got to pay, and they're like, all right, you're good, and you should be getting your stuff, your uh, stickers in the mail. And I'm like, all right. Well, I get pulled over a couple weeks ago, and the cop you know, he pins me like he put me in an area where I could not back my car back out. He's got me pinned in and he comes, you know, on his side, you know, like on the driver's side and his other officer who's with him starts checking my taillights and coming up on my passenger side. And I'm like, Jesus, man, you need two of y'all. Like, what did I even do wrong? And he's like, years expired. And I'm sitting in there like on my in my car with my fist clenched on the wheel because I'm like, I don't want to move my hands. I don't this guy, he's coming at me aggressive. You know, this isn't a cop asking questions. He's coming at me aggressive. This man is pissed. And I'm like, you know, I explained to him, yeah, I got it taken care of. And I'm like, can I reach into my glove box? And I, I have to ask permission first because I'm afraid if I reach for that glove box, this man's going to go at me. Because yeah, he's got another dude on the side and you can see he's got his hand on his hip already. He's ready to draw if he needs to draw. And, you know, he's like, yeah, you can reach in the glove box. So I, I pull out my paperwork and stuff, and he walks back to the car, and I'm watching in the rear view, and I can see him and that man. They're, they're talking back and forth and whatnot, and I'm, I'm afraid to take my hands back off the wheel. 
because I, I just don't know how these police officers are going to act over a tag. And I'm, I'm showing the guy, you know, all the information that I've got this taken care of. And then he's like, nah, there's a new a new policy in place this year. You have to go pay another fee and get them in person. Uh, you're not able, you know, what you've got isn't done, you know, and I, he could have took me to jail right then and there because I, I know this man's thinking that I'm driving a stolen vehicle with a plate that hasn't existed for two years. I was, I was freaking out, man. I was, and I, I can only imagine if I was, you know, African-American in that situation, how wrong that could have gone very quickly. Yeah. If I don't trust them <laughs> and I'm a, I'm a white male, that says something. Shit, if you were black, Brandon, they would have snatched you out that truck, whatever car you was in, they would have paid your it. ass down on the ground, handcuff you. Probably put you in the back of the, the back of their cruiser. Search the car because they, yep. I mean, they would have did, they would have did a lot of messed up things too, if you were black. Yep. You know, um, I believe it. You know, and, they, and that's just that's just how they abuse their power. That's how they abuse their power. I remember uh, a few years back. I, was, I got off work at Monk's Corner. I was driving to Somerville, you know, so I can go spend a little time with my baby. You know, she was just uh, maybe a year or a couple months old at this point. And mm -hmm. I'm driving and I come to the light right there um, before you can hit St. James to go to uh, Cane Bay area. An officer pulled me over. Okay, what's up? You know, let me see your license registration. You know me, I always have it handy so I'm not reaching for anything. So I gave it to him. You know, he was like, hold on a second. You know, you know why I pulled you over? No. Oh, you you jump and hit the line. The hell does that mean? The hell is that you, mean? What does that mean? I was about to ask the same question. What in the hell does that mean? He was like, oh, when you were driving up here, uh, you kind of swerved. You jumped and hit the line. No, I didn't. <laughs> and so... He gave me a warning, you know, but at the same time, you know, I'm going to take that warning, but I don't know what the hell you mean. But so that's why I drive safe. Anyway, whether I got kids with me or not, I drive safe. That's just me. Because you can tell if an officer is going to pull you over. You know, he was just trying to find. Yeah. He was just trying to find a reason to, 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 to hit you. Just like uh, last year, um, you know, I changed some stuff on my, my new truck, you know, and I was driving and I saw the officer sitting there waiting. You know, and I was, I just passed the red light. And he came and pulled me over. And I had, I had blue headlights. You know, he pulled me over to see what the hell was in the truck. Because the truck looked like it was like, um, you know, pimp my ride type shit. <laughs> you know, so you know, he's like, oh, well, I'm going to give you this warning, you know, but you got to change your headlights. Okay. But there's no reason to pull me over. <laughs> he was just trying to see if he could find some shit. Yeah, exactly. So, and and oh and, my god, you know it's it's just it's, it's it's really messed up the way that we have people in these positions, you know, and they feel like they're in power, feel like they're better than everybody else, and they want to abuse it. And that's just the life that you know we're in, you know. And when they abuse their power, they end up killing people. Yep. You know, people go south real quick, real quick. You know, some people, people may be called to help, you know, and then they end up killing the people. I've, I've heard of that on more than one occasion, you know, where a family will call and the police get there. I, I'm trying to remember the situation, but it was a couple of years ago where like the husband and wife were having an altercation or whatever. And so she called the police and they get there and they end up killing the husband, they end up shooting him dead. 
Let me see. Just because it was a domestic dispute does not mean that it needed to end up with a death. Right. You're absolutely right. I know there was there was a woman. You know, Just that sucks was, uh, knowing that. There was a woman that was killed. Um, just for, for that, because they couldn't, they, 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 and I don't know what it is. They need, they need to take the guns away from them or, you know, definitely disband it. Start over from scratch. There you go. Her name was Aura Rosser. She died in 2014. Her boyfriend, Victor, called 911 to ask the police to escort her out of the house because of the altercation. The official report, in quotation, says that when officers entered the home, Rosser was holding a knife and refused to drop it. And the officer used his taser, and another officer fired a single shot that killed her instantly. See, what was the what was the point of firing the shot when you could have used the taser? I understand if you got a hostile individual who's got a weapon on you, try the taser first. Chances are you'll be able to to subdue them and take the weapon. There's no reason to have pulled that gun and shot that woman. That didn't have to happen. And and one of the one of the bad parts is. These officers wear body cams and they still get away. And, and, and the reason they get away is because they've been coached on how to word their statements mm-hmm. and word what happened. It's easy to get past the law when you know the law. Yep. So, you know, as, as black people, we all need to educate ourselves and go in and read to see what we can what what we don't have to do you know like if if somebody like some people don't notice if you were drinking you know and you got pulled over for something you don't have to take a breathalyzer you don't have to do you know mm-hmm. the, the other low tests they do you could say no to all that yeah you're gonna go to jail at night but when that court mm-hmm. date comes they're not gonna have any proof they can't force you to take that stuff. Even yep. when you get to the jail and they're like, oh, you got to blow on this. You don't have to do that. No. You know, like when I, when I was a, a, a APA for Walmart and we had to go to court, there was, I learned a lot. You know, and, and a lot of the knowledge that I learned, I, I tell people whenever, I, whenever it comes to it. You know, but mm-hmm. that, that's one of those things I definitely remembered and I pass on every time I can. You ain't got to take those tests. You're going to go to jail, but you can get that expunged. <laughs> you know, so. Yep. <laughs> My thing is, and cor- correct me if I'm wrong here, and uh, I'm going to say this just because it's just my my opinion here. I think... There is a, a stigma in the black community that if you try to do better and try to learn or try to, you know, be a more intelligent individual than your peers, that that's not cool. And I've seen, at least growing up with my friends, you know, like they would get picked on for trying to be smart or try to do better because they weren't, they weren't acting gangster and, and they, maybe they weren't into the same things that the popular kids were. And I don't, I don't know how that can change in the black community to help them know that it's okay to be smart. It's okay to, to want to pursue better things in life than to stay in the situation that you're currently in. 
Am I, am I wrong there? Well, at, at a point, you know, in, in our past, you know, because we're, we're around the same age. When we were younger, that's kind of how it was. It started to change. Um, yeah. It started to change around that same time okay. you know, they were throwing it out. And, and, you know, you would have, you know, some family members, you know, that, that were locked up, you know, they'll, they'll get out and they'll be like, yo, you know, you need to be smart. You know, you have all those old uh, good hood movies, you know, I'm gonna call them the good old hood movies, you know, the old BET movies, you know, that, that will teach while they're doing the movies, you know, like, hey, get your education, you need to know things. So, um, but you know, that, that, yeah. that my frame of, you know, ain't cool to be smart, da, 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 you know, that was just the kids in school that didn't understand shit. You know, they, they, they were struggling themselves. So, you know, they wanted to pick on other people for being smart. Me, myself, I've always been smart. Um, you know, and the people that I grew up around, they were never those type of people that I'll say, you know, oh, being smart ain't cool. They're the ones that's like, dang, Marcus, you got an A? You going to help me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know? So I was like, yeah, See, I got you. And I, that's what I remember. I just, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just because that's what I grew up around. I just felt like a lot of times I had friends who wanted to do better and be better and they would get, you know, picked on. And a, a joke that I, that I heard that was commonly, you know, just like, you know, black folk will make fun of other black folk for stupid things and be like, this dude eats bread? Man, you eat bread? And they would just say, <laughs> find reasons to pick on other black folks. And I'm like, right. why? I'm almost like, I've, but but that's so, that's like, not at least during my childhood that they would on purpose not, try to hold each other back and it's like that that shouldn't be the mindset well those those type of jokes they aren't the, <laughs> the that sounds people. like I'm <laughs> those aren't the whole people back you know that's just to have fun with each other you know like you know like okay. damn this man in here washing his clothes you want to be a clean ass boy you know? yeah exactly you know? um, <laughs> i'm trying to refrain from using a whole bunch of vulgar language you know but but you know those jokes are just like family jokes you know like good homeboy jokes you know okay you know like if somebody don't know you and they're around you and your boys you know and they say something like that you know that's when they gonna be, that's when they get offended you know but but you know if y'all good brothers friends you know um, those jokes aren't aren't there to to hurt anybody, you know. I say them jokes to my brother. Okay. <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I'm is. sure. I mean, I, you've heard me and my family how we act, so. I... <laughs> right. You know, so but get that. I totally get that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's just that's just uh, that's just how it is, you know. And I know we're coming to that 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 hour right now, you know, and I definitely want to you know, continue this conversation. So we'll, we'll schedule another time to continue this, but, you know, Brandon, I appreciate you for giving me this time of your day. Um, anything in closing that you would want to say, my brother? Just that I love you. I appreciate you having me on and, you know, I'm hopefully my words hit somebody who heard this and is like, you know what, maybe I should rethink myself because that's really the message I want to leave is that you can not be racist, but still be unintentionally racist. So there are times. All right. Or what you've said and maybe listen to a friend who has something to say about your opinion, you know, and just try to do better. Like we can all do better. There's nothing wrong with trying to do better. That's right. That's absolutely right. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to episode two of podcast Hayward, you know, and we will get at you next time.
Bye.